now listening to Our Digital Future, Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for great public affairs programming. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Cool Jazz Favorites. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Easy Listening Jazz Favorites. Okay. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to KUCI Irvine 88.9. Thanks for tuning in. This is Thursday, October 25th. And this is the 9.30 to 10 a.m. Public Affairs KCI slot with me, ZBZ. Right before my show, you heard 9 to 9.30 a.m. KCI News. And this is like a semi-continuation because I've got some news for you. I've got really great audio from the Wreck-It Ralph press junket, which seems like forever ago that I went to the Beverly Hilton Hotel and got to be in a room with John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, and Jane Lynch, and Rich Moore, who's done Simpsons and Futurama, and now he's the director for this animated feature film coming out on November 2nd, so it's not even out yet, but I got to go to the Wreck-It Ralph press junket for Disney and hear all of them speak for 10 minutes each about the movie, we ask questions, and I took a video and I've got really great audio from it that's up on the KUCI front page, brand new this week online and I'd like to play it for you I'm really excited to share what I learned from the writers, producers, directors and lead actors just in general I'm into film and media I'm into libraries, museums and archives and it all plays in with radio and press I just enjoy going to film festivals and hearing the people talk about how they can create these pieces and I saw the film and I really enjoyed it so that's why I'm also excited to share so check this out here on KCI 88.9 FM here I have the first question for you I'm asking the producer about Skrillex's involvement as an animated character and DJ um, well the, the idea of Skrillex being a part of Hero's Duty and sort of setting the soundtrack for that part of the world well, it came from a Tom McDougall who heads up the music department at Disney and we knew we wanted something modern. I mean, one of the things about this movie is it's a mashup of different video games. And so we said we should have a mashup of different, mo- uh, different music. So you're going to have Cool in the Gang from the 80s, and if you're going to have AKB48 for Sugar Rush in the game of Sugar Rush, what would be right for this hero's duty thing? And he said, instead of going where people might expect us to go, heavy metal, why don't we go to electronic dubstep and Skrillex being the biggest artist in that world? He actually made the connection, and Skrillex came in and met with Rich, and Rich pitched the movie, and they hit it off. And then we thought, well, if you're going to have a DJ in the world of that, uh, in, in the scene in the penthouse, wouldn't it be fun to actually have a moment where we get to see him? So we went to Skrillex and said, we'd like to put you in the scene. He said, okay. And then we asked by the model and let him look at it. And he gave us some notes. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. Big noise when you're doing stuff like that, but you do a lot of physical stuff when you're acting to make it sound like you're bodies experiencing what the character's body is experiencing. Um, 
And then, you know, I went in for a Q&A with all the animators, uh, just because they were curious to meet me and they wanted to get some more insight as they headed into the heavy lifting of the animation part of the movie about what my point of view was about the character. And uh, so I went in and did this Q&A. And then while I was there, I was like, you know, why don't I just do some movement for you guys to show you what I was thinking of? Because I have a lot of, like, you know, I come from an Irish Catholic family in Chicago. There's a lot of ex-football player guys with big guns, you know, like... <laughs> He carried themselves a lot like this guy might carry himself, and so they were like, oh my god, that was so cool how you did that. I was like, I'll, I could do that for hours, I'll come back. And they're like, you would? I'm like, yeah. So I went in and did this like motion study where I actually acted out the scenes. I walked around, I showed them what it was like, like the, the eight-step process of getting up out of a chair and, you know, like, all that stuff. And uh, so they really appreciated that. And, and so I think as a result, even more than usual, a lot of my physical characteristics ended up in, in the character. Are you, were you a fan of, um, I just want to know if you were a fan of, when you were younger, going to arcades and any of these video games like Pac-Man? Yeah, I mean, I was the test generation for, <laughs> for all this stuff. I mean, you can blame me and my generation, I think, for the popularity of video games because it was just undeniable. It went from pinball machines to space invaders. Yeah. I remember the, the day that that machine suddenly appeared in the bowling alley where I used to hang out in Chicago. And it was like, oh my god. It was such a quantum leap from from what we had for, for you know, entertainment up to then. This just, I mean, it was, there weren't even computers then. Like, people forget, like, no cell phones, no computers, like... It was just this crazy thing that suddenly you could manipulate what was on the TV. Like, you couldn't even do that. There weren't even really VCRs yet. At least I didn't have one. So just the idea that you could move a button that would move something on the screen was radical, you know? And it cost me a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of quarters. And for some reason, I don't know why, I seemed to get worse the more I played. Like, I'd be really good at first. Like, just my instincts would be great. And then the more I thought about it, like... <laughs> what are you working? You worked with the other actors, right? Yeah. Oh, is an adjustment period like watching that voice coming out of Sarah? I mean, at first you're like, this is just ridiculous, and then you adjust, and you're like, well, this is normal. But you mean you're surrounded by all these normal-looking people who are sounding like crazy cartoon characters? Is there an adjustment period to get to that? Well, uh, not really. No. I mean, I was just bowled over by how seamlessly Sarah channeled that character. You know. Talk about inner child. It was like <laughs> it's kind of amazing. And Sarah's a really good actress. I mean, there's some scenes where we have our met that are not funny scenes that are just really heartbreaking, emotional scenes. And those are some intense days. I was like, wow, you should do this more often, Sarah. You're good at this. And do you guys go off script much? Yeah, we went off script a lot. That was the whole point of having us in the same room, being able to improvise, especially the more smart out kind of stuff where we would trade insults or whatever. A lot of that, we would just try to one up each other, and some of it ends up in the movie. Any upcoming projects? Um, no, I'm unavailable. Does brother, maybe step brother too? Maybe, I don't know. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I mean, you know, that's a lot of work. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
that voice was incredible. Where did you, did you see the character and the voice came from that, or? Yeah, yeah, reading the script and seeing, like, the original sketches, it just, I don't know, I was like, oh, she talks like this, you know, like, she's just like a higher voice, and maybe, like, add a cold, you know, because she's scrappy, permitted cold. You know, over the years, we've spoken with people who have done voices for these films, and they all remark about how the animators have filmed them and captured their characteristics and stuff. Were you surprised at how much they captured you? Yeah, <laughs> it was so, when I saw it, I was like, wow. I mean, first, like, when the, as the character developed, you know, um, the sketches changed and stuff, and then when I first saw, like, the eyebrows, you know, and I was like, hey, that's, like, me, you know, <laughs> and the hair turned black mm -hmm. and a ponytail and... Um, it's so neat, you know, it's, it's, it's already so cool to be in a Disney movie, you know, they don't just crank them out, they take a lot of time and constantly honing and thinking, making every moment as rich as possible. It's cool to be a part of that and then to see like, oh, I, if I didn't forget to have children, I, that could have been my kid. Like that. You know, mentioning that it's a Disney movie, I, and I was asking Rich this too, where whether they had seen his work before they hired him to do this, and I'm wondering if they heard any of your routines, and if you if you were worried about maybe having to stay within certain bounds. I know it's like, uh, do they only know me from like Monk and Yo Gabba Gabba or something? <laughs> you know? Um, no, you know they know they knew full well what they were getting into, but they I found it worth it, and I. Mm, shocked and grateful, you know, I'm, but you know, you look at, you know, the dirtiest comic of the 80s was Eddie Murphy, and he's, he's, uh, slipped into this world seamlessly, but, and also, it's, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not gonna try to say in the, you know what I mean, it's, I have other sides of me that are, uh, can be lovely and child appropriate, you know. But did you ever, ever think? I mean, in your wildest dreams, that you would eventually be a Disney princess with an action figure. No, I didn't. <laughs> but I've also learned not to have any expectations, you know? I remember my therapist saying, <laughs> Jewish, uh, beginning of a sentence. Um, he, you know, I was stressing about, well, what if I never, and what if, and he goes, have you ever predicted anything in your life? And I'm like, no. Have you ever predicted anything in your life? No. So we don't know what's coming. Failure, I predicted failure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was thrilled and surprised and happy. Rich Moore was really nice that way. He really included me in a collaborative way as a director. Got me to come into story meetings and, um, and you know, solicited my ideas. Like, not that any of them were used? No. <laughs> some of them, some of them were, and uh, he really encouraged me to take a personal approach with the character and improvise a lot, and, and I encouraged him to have the other actors in the recording studio, which I guess is uh, not such a common thing with animated movies, usually you record separately and then they mm -hmm. splice it all together, but I thought someone like Sarah Silverman or Jack McBray or Jane Lynch, like those guys are really nimble improvisers and very witty people so we'd be able to throw some stuff back and forth and yeah definitely with, with the family audience in mind it seemed like there are a lot of pretty um, 
you never seem to be giving away the fact that you're in a family film. I'm thinking, for instance, of those bad anon meetings, which I thought were brilliantly done. But just this idea that that's something that the adults will get a kick out of and may go right over the kids' heads. Is, was that an interesting balance to try to, to maintain? Uh, it wasn't really my balance to maintain, but um, I don't know. I think I think you'd be surprised mm -hmm. at at what kids understand. I mean that they see that. I brought a bunch of kids to the movie the other night, and they saw that meeting, which I was concerned actually when I saw that in the script because it wasn't in the original script. I thought, oh gosh, like we really really want to go to this twelve step place with kids. Are they that look a little bit, you know? Adult for kids, and they're like, no, no, it'll work, it'll be great. And the kids see that almost like, like, council circle at school, where we sit around and we, you know, like, and uh, I don't know, my wife pointed out something to me this morning, she's like, it's so funny with the, with, you know, when Ralph goes to the party, like, he's not invited, and then he comes in, and then he just, he makes a mess of it, like, as soon as he walks in, and she said, like, little kids can really relate to that, because it's like, you're trying hard not to break something, and then you make a mistake, and you, or you lose your temper, and you just, and you're just trying to. What are your connections? You know, with gay people having children, but surrogates, and you know, it's it's getting all messed up. It's all different. It's all different. So there's a whole lot of breaking stories. But is introducing you think introducing this whole? I mean, honestly, they all have babies are working. I think there babies. is because for the most part, you know, we're people like everybody else, and we like to have. Um, you know, it's not all about that we just want to have sex with each other. <laughs> it's more than that. It used to be just kind of this perverted sexual practice that people were like, oh, don't do that. And now it's, you know, we're, we're past that as a society. And, you know, uh, guys want to have kids. Girls want to have kids. It's kind of a natural thing. You, you, you mentioned uh, Jill as your writer on the Emmys. Yeah. That's right. You hosted a couple of years ago. Right. And look, Just a year ago. Was it, oh, it feels longer to you, which means I need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, well, looking at, at what's happening with the choices, Seth, Seth MacFarlane hosts the Oscars. Yeah. Do you have a sense of, okay, they are, they are now looking for a different, not only a different generation of talent, but also a different kind of commentary? I think so. I think so. I think Billy Crystal kind of set the, the bar for that era. And, um, he kind of changed award shows, doing the opening number of med number of you know medley of all the movies, and he was so funny and he was spontaneous. He had writers on hand, and I think that that upped the ante for those shows. And we've been at that level ever since, trying to be as good as Billy Crystal. And now, and I think that this is just another expression of that. You know, Seth MacFarlane is hilarious and odd, and has his own take on things. And um, I think they want to bring that to. Uh, the Oscars. So I think it'll be great. <laughs> he's, he's great. So I think it'll be really And we haven't spoken to you actually since you did it. How did you plan the experience ultimately and when it was all over in the dust? Well, all said and done, I wish that I had relaxed a little bit more as, during the process. I wish I had relaxed a little bit more. And, so nervous. and that was one of the things I said to myself when I accepted the, the assignment. I said, you have to be relaxed about it. Don't get stressed. Don't get stressed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, you know, you get like you get like ten jokes and you need an opening number. It's basically your job. And there are about three jokes that we've done. I would have probably cut out two of the gay jokes. So by the end of it, it was like, okay, you're gay. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's that's really what it is. So I, I it felt really good. But if I were to go back and change it, I would have shifted some of the jokes. 
I can cut down the open nose. But you do it again? Oh, yeah. I go with a year ago, I would say, uh-uh. But yeah, I do it again. <laughs> Are you pushing for more numbers for Sue to sing? I, I, I don't really push for anything. And, and you know what? It's kind of an unpushable situation. Uh, it, it, you know, the, Brian has very clear ideas. He's got it in his head how he wants things to go. And, um, you know, I, I seem to get one really good number of seasons, so I hope we'll get one this season. Is Ryan even around anymore? Not, not as much, but he's still, he's, his fingerprints are all over. Asylum starts this week. Yeah, oh, yeah, which is on. amazing. I saw the premiere. It's if you like scary, um, it's it it's, it is non-stop. It is non-stop, and it's so good. Jessica Lange, amazing. Um, she's so good. But uh, yeah, he's around, and he chooses all the music. He's, or he's not so much around. We don't see him so much. But he chooses all the music, and he's he's still in charge of the arc. You know, and everything has to go by him. He's still um, he's still in the studio. He's still choosing the cuts and. He's doing the final cuts. He's a busy guy. Speaking of scary, um, mm -hmm. do you have an action figure? Is there a Sergeant mm -hmm. Pepper? How, yes. Is that a particularly cool thing yeah. when you look at that? that? You know, my daughter doesn't get excited about much anymore. So, <laughs> <"Hold> <laughs> um, I came home with that and she was like, <gasps> <laughs> And it says, one of 1,000 limited editions. So I'm going to sign that sucker. And it's going on eBay. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that garage I'm building. <laughs> given, given that uh, you're happy with that young action I love it. If they she, came and she's so hot and she'll live forever looking like that. <laughs> if they came to you and said, you know, Jane, your action figure is selling really well, we'd like to do another one from a movie you've done before. What action figure would... What do you think America cares for? Would, would it... Would, what would I, what could be an action figure? How about Christy coming with a little uh, with a, a poodle, you know? <laughs> a mighty wind. Yeah, or a mighty wind. Yeah, yeah, the sexy. Uh, yeah, I've done some Vixens in my time. <laughs> what is and it also, you mentioned immortality. I'm sorry. This action figure. What is, does it do anything? Uh, I think she just stands there. Just, uh, <laughs> I think she moves. Maybe she probably moves. I have not taken her out of the box. All of the 40-year-old virgin that loses its value. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at that, you don't have to do anything. Exactly. She doesn't have to do anything. You, you stand there. You mentioned immortality with the action figure. You know, this, and I've kind of beaten this up to death, but being a, in a Disney princess movie is yeah. basically a bid for immortality. You're going to live a lot longer on film than you are, than we are. Yes, <laughs> I think so. <coughs> I never thought about it now. Oh, well, that ends my handy thoughts about that. No, I think that's great. Yeah, I'm in the Wax Museum, too. <laughs> so I've had that, kind of had those thoughts. And um, they don't amount to much. I'm not, I've never been concerned about legacy or anything like that. I, I, I think it's a really cool thing, but I can't say I go... <gasps> no, this is a movie with, with John C. Riley, you know, and Sarah Silverman. And... The audience is going to want to hear that chemistry, you know, between those two two actors. Um, so it'd be kind of silly not to have them together to, to play off of one another. Um, so so I made that happen basically, you know. Did you have to tell them don't step on each other's lines? And also, did, with the, um, the Simpsons, do they do? Simpsons does have. Uh, uh, the uh, the actors all together uh, when they're doing takes, but in feature animation, um, usually they're separately. TV's a, a little different, and, and Simpsons is kind of a different piece, also. So that's my background. So I, I feel as if I'm kind of bringing some of that, you know, to the feature realm. Speaking of that that background, uh, how did a 
a guy from The Simpsons and Futurama and, and uh, yeah. drawn together, winded up at Disney. I mean, did, did, have they seen your stuff? <laughs> Why did you say it? <laughs> um, well, it, it kind of goes back to my, my um, background before all of those things uh, was CalArts, the college that I went to. And, um, and there's a, a big family, you know, from CalArts of, of uh, people that graduated from that character animation department. And, and our sensibility and our roots go back pretty deep to that place. Um, I, I went to school with, um, with Andrew Stanton, as you know, who directed Find Nemo and Wally, um, and several of the people that, that founded Pixar. When we, when we all graduated, our, our paths kind of split. You know, some of us went into television, some of us went into to films. Um, my path took me to The Simpsons, you know, uh, where I was a director there right after graduating. Very. Um, very quickly out of college, um, and Andrew and I always, you know, had a kept a, a strong relationship. You know, very good friends, and uh, I became friends with John Lasseter. You know, uh, through that friendship with, with Andrew, and there was always an invitation. You know, to hey, come on up. You know, we're we're doing something great up here. Come up to Pixar. Come work up here. And it always seemed like that there was always something keeping me back, you know, that there was another show starting or, you know, we're going to do another season of Simpsons, but, you know, it's kind of like George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, you know, just <laughs> someday, someday I'll take that big trip, you know. Um, so circumstances never kind of lined up where it was, you know, convenient to go, to go work up at Pixar. And then when Disney and, and Pixar merged, um, Andrew called me up and said, look, you know, we're working with Disney now. You, you, you wouldn't even have to move up north. You, you, could, you could work in Burbank, you know. Why, why don't you jump on, you know. I think, I think you would really, really like it because it's just like school, the way our process is, is, like, um, is like college. It's like CalArts. And, um, and I said, you know what, why, why am I not letting this happen? Yes, of course, I would, because it's fun to work with friends, you know. It's... it's um, and it's been great to kind of uh, get back together with friends from college and, and meet new people at the studio right now. So um, that was four years ago when I started. And it's been, uh, I would say, no, don't get me wrong, uh, Simpsons and Futurama, those shows were fantastic and the people were fantastic. But I'll have to say that working at Disney right now and where the studio is as kind of, you know, uh, um, it feels like a, even though it's the oldest studio, you know, uh, in LA, an animation studio, it feels like a new studio because it has new energy in it, you know, right now, and um, a lot of great projects, you know, in, in the pipeline. And these four years have really creatively, they've been probably the most fulfilling of my career. How much did you have to school yourself in retro, uh, retro work? It, you know, man, and, and well, I'm drawing 8-bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much like drawing 8-bit, it's more like kind of potato printing, you know. <laughs> um, well, um, fortunately, I did a lot of research as a teenager, you know, <laughs> on games. Um, so I brought a lot of that research with me. Uh, my parents would have called that wasting time back then, but now it's, <laughs> it's it, it turned out to be research. and. Um, 
And it's funny how you just, you never know, like something that, that people could say to you as a young person, you know, this is a waste of time, could turn out to be a boon for something down the line. So, And it was fun to kind of go to go back and, and look at those old games, you know, um, to study them, you know, not just to play them, but to study them and, and um, really critically look at them and say, what makes these unique? You know, why do I like these? What, what is fun about these? And um, so it's, it's been um, an interesting experience, you know, to kind of revisit those things from I'm childhood. I'm assuming you had to get clearance from you know, we're, we are expecting tons of lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, we did. Would anybody not clear you? Did anyone not want to be part of that? Um, no, I, I would say just about everyone we went to said yes. You know, and the way that I approached them was um, we didn't send send out lawyers to kind of say we want to use Pac-Man. You know, it was it was very much kind of uh, meeting with the people face to face. You know, introducing myself and telling them that, you know, I'm, I'm working on this movie about video games, and in the case of, say, Pac-Man, you know, and Pac-Man's a, a very important, you know, a seminal game, you know, that we would be, uh, we, we would be in the wrong not to have, you know, Pac-Man in this movie, you know, and I would go about uh, kind of pitching the storyboards, you know, to those, to those folks at Namco, you know, saying this is how we would like to, to use Pac-Man, and nine times out of ten, they would say, you know, yes, great, you know. It, it seemed there was one big omission in <laughs> the games. Uh, I didn't see any Tron references. Tron, yeah, well, Tron, you know, that's a, that's, that's a big character. And we, we looked for a way to use Tron. You know, we didn't want to just do, like, cheap kind of walk-ons. You know, we, we wanted all the... Uh, we wanted all the cameos to kind of mean something yeah. or be appropriate, you know, to the the scene. So, so it was difficult to kind of, with, with some characters, Tron being one of them, as the director to, to have to make that decision, you know, it would be great to have them in here, but we have not found, you know, the perfect way to use them. So if, if we're lucky enough to, you know, if, if the audience... If the world likes this, you know, movie the way we do, the filmmakers do, and we're lucky enough to, to do, you know, a sequel, then I would like to be able to have those other characters, like, in my back pocket to, to be able to kind of find, you know, the perfect use for them. So, what, what, about the last screen, question? what about the screenplay we made you want to work on Wreck-It Ralph? Uh, well, uh... Phil Johnston, who wrote the screenplay, and I developed the the script ourselves. So it it was uh, something that, that uh, Phil and I worked on together. So it did, did not exist when when I came onto the project. Um, but just the notion of when when I started it, it was John Lasseter kind of mentioned. You know, we we. Uh, the, the studio's been trying to do a video game movie for many, many years, and no one's really cracked it. So, And John, with his directors uh, at, at Pixar and at Disney, likes to hear kind of several pitches. He doesn't like a director kind of, when they're moving on to a new project, to kind of focus and become precious with one thing. You know, he likes the directors to kind of, you know, work on at least three things, you know. 
of which we kind of choose, like, okay, which one of these should go forward. And John said, like, I'd like you to kind of consider video games, you know, as one of your pitches. And, um, and what I liked about it was, well, having, you know, history playing them, you know, and a love for them, for that medium. Um, and also the ability to, to take that big, you know, spectacular world of different genres of games and, uh, and putting a very kind of simple, uh, profound, you know, story in the middle of it. You know, a, a man, a simple man wondering if this is all there is to life, you know, and set against the backdrop of these fantastic worlds, you know, so that, that to me. KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening to Our Digital Future. This has been me, Zibazi, from 9.30 to 10 a.m., where librarians and archivists discuss the digital future of our information spaces. Today we showed you some Wreck-It Ralph audio from the writer, producer, director, and main actors John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, and Jane Lynch. Hope you enjoyed that. Now stay tuned for Living with Pizzazz, your 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. music show. Well, they'll show you how with Pizzazz. Thanks for listening. Thank you.